welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. And today we're going to be talking about 2007's The Mist. Um, Number 99 on the list of the top 100 movies in history. I was getting there. <laughs> um, now, to be fair, I feel like The Mist would be a welcome break from this disgusting heatwave. I feel like I'd, I'd prefer my chances in, in The Mist. <laughs> it is really hot. I'm, um. <laughs> I'm not digging it. It's not. It's, I'd, I'd face down the big tentacle monsters rather than uh, spoilers. They, is there all spoilers? Spoilers. This We've is already a... even got the spoiler warning in. <laughs> they just drop te- right in with the, the tentacles are the first of the monsters you see. So okay. I think okay, we're well. safe. This is your this is your spoiler warning for anyone who's not seen the movie. But then why are you listening to this review? Yeah, you should go listen. Go watch the movies first. Um, yeah. First of all, uh, make sure you go over and uh, give us a rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. So iTunes, Podbean, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Spotify, all yeah. those good ones. Uh, and make sure you go and visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Behind the Sofa Podcast, uh, and we'll have a chat. We'll have yeah. a good old chat. We've got the- facts, updates. Um, we've got all the information about where you can uh, buy or rent or stream the movies that are on our list and now uh where you can shop the books that the movies have been based off so books yeah nerds <laughs> books no no book learning over here yeah. right um so how are you Kirsty? i'm good uh the, the mist kind of drained me a little bit i think it drained um, it drained me yeah i feel like in a different way though <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, I guess we're gonna let's just crack on, crack straight on, uh, and talk about it. Okay. Um, 2007, Frank Darabont. So this is like the third Stephen King it is. book that he's yeah adapted. he's a he's a huge Stephen King fan. In case you hadn't noticed, so he did uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is amazing, uh, in 1994, um, and then he did The Green Mile in 99. Um, so yeah, going is... for proper heart wrenching. <laughs> Hard to watch, but definitely worth watching. Stephen King uh, adaptations basically is his thing. So, is it troubling if I try and do a John Coffey impression? Yes, that's <laughs> I'm problematic. Not, I'm not going to do that. That's problematic. Um, so, yeah, 2007, Frank Darabont, The Mist, based on a Stephen King novel, novella. Novella, yeah. It was uh, part of a um, a collection of stories, and it's the first one in the book, and it's the longest one, I believe. So, it's in Skeleton Crew. It's also in Dark Forces, uh, and it was, funnily enough, originally called The Fog. But because he found out about John Carpenter's film of the Fog, which is number seventy-seven on our uh, top one hundred, so we will be reviewing that, um, he decided to change it from the Fog to the Mist. So, well, when did he write it? Um, he wrote it. Uh, well, we don't know how long his writing process takes, but it was due to be coming out in nineteen eighty. <laughs> Haven't I heard all these stories about Stephen King's writing process, where he just like, this is from what I've heard. Like he just blows a load of coke and just like writes. <gasps> that's that's hundred percent. I've definitely heard. Oh, I'm that's gonna how have he, to research that. That's but how that he wrote. Could be slanderous. No, well, I'm. This is just what I'm hearing. I'm what I'm hearing. 
Um, isn't that, I heard that's how he wrote Dreamcatcher. Like he literally said he had no memory of writing Dreamcatcher. He literally I just sat in a cabin and read about this. Now. It's it's happening. I'm telling you. Okay. He's well, uh, he's well, all over it. Yeah. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. We can't say it right now. So we besmirched. I besmirched Stephen King's good name last week, and yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah, Stephen King, I really love you. Like, I'm not really, I'm not anti King. He's he's totally listening right now. Yeah, yeah, he's preparing his lawyers as we speak. So. <laughs> Prepare the lawyers, right? <laughs> um, so takes place in Castle Rock. Uh, it's not. It's in Maine, obviously. I swear um, I saw the name Castle Rock on something though. The book, the book was based in Bridgeton, Maine. Um, there is. In there, there's someone reading uh, like a local paper, which does say like Castle, the Castle Rock Gazette or the Castle Rock something. So, so it's, it's Castle Rock adjacent. Yes. So but, for anyone who doesn't know, Castle Rock is the is the town that Stephen King uses in all of his yeah. stories and books. And but they're all they're all pretty much all set in Maine. I'm sure we've got a we've got a fan already who is a huge Stephen King fan as well. So I'm sure that she's going to be uh, giving us the full rundown of the geography of Stephen King books, which are mostly in Maine. But a huge. Um, huge book nerd from but, what I hear but yeah um, I mean I think that's also just an, a big old nod from Frank Darabont as there are many which I'll go into later um, in this book uh, in this book in this film so confusing I know so right? basically uh, the film stars Tom Jane of uh, The Punisher yep and that amazing cameo in Arrested Development right <laughs> I just want my kids, um, <laughs> if anyone remembers that, um, as David Drayton. David Drayton. David yes. Drayton. Every man American. Mm-hmm. That's very... Um, uh, him and his wife and his son uh, live in this small town in Maine. There's a giant electrical storm um, and causes loads of damage around the town. Trees are falling through windows and everything's getting smashed up. Uh, and then in the aftermath of the storm, uh, David Drayton decides to take his son, whose name is Billy. Billy, of course. Isn't that the most like generic, well, <laughs> generic, small, I'm not sure in if an apple cheek child yeah, name? I'm, I'm not sure if it is uh, Billy in the book. I'm sure they probably he kept to it as much as he possibly could. But um, the fact that he calls him Big Bill, which is also um, the nickname of, of Bill from It... So it's also another nod in there from from Frank Darabont mm-hmm. towards Stephen King. So wow. there's plenty of them. Okay, so David and Billy, the little kid, decide to go into town to get supplies with David's uh, grumpy, grumpy next door neighbour, who is a high flying New York City slicker lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, played by Andre Brower uh, or Captain Holt for Captain all you people Raymond who Holt. love uh, who love Brooklyn Nine Nine out there. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, so they decide to go into town. They arrive at the supermarket. Everyone's at the supermarket because they're all buying supplies after the big storm. Which is called the Food House. Which is a terrible name. <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible. Although it does kind of make, make me picture like cute little foods like uh, like anthropomorphic food. Like a little donut with eyes. And, aww. Aww. Yeah, come um, on. <laughs> And they decide to to go down, get loads of supplies uh, from the shop, and then the mist descends. No, wait, wait, wait. wait. I wrote this down because I was like, it's such a wonderful way that they've just slowly started building stuff up. So um, David and his wife and his kids, they go out to survey the damage of uh, what has happened. Um, and many of his paintings get destroyed because he's an artist, which now, we'll, 
we can uh... now issue number one Ollie's issue number one Uh-oh. those are Drew Struzan paintings they are so Drew Struzan like actual Drew Struzan as in Drew Struzan painted those paintings that are in that film and then they destroyed them I don't okay. know <laughs> but I know that Kirstie just gave me the biggest like, that, <laughs> but uh, I know I know from from my fact finding that they did actually get Drew Struzan in there but like if you look at them like they've all got like there's it's just full of nods it's a it's a fan so, film for okay, Stephen so, King it's amazing so first off those are all Drew Struzan paintings so if anyone doesn't know Drew Struzan you do know Drew Struzan he did the posters for things like uh, all the Indiana Jones movies, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, like the famous uh, the famous poster for The Thing, which he did in a night, I think, um, which you can see in the background. But he, at, the, at the, the moment the tree breaks through the window and destroys a load of his painting, he's painting the front cover of The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which is another Stephen well, one King. Of the, one of the, guns, uh, like the gunslinger character from The Dark Tower. So, so issue number <laughs> one for Ollie immediately as a person with a little bit of knowledge i think well that's not david drayton's painting that's drew struzan's painting um and just weirdly self-referential in a way that kind of bugged me because immediately it brought me out of it and i was like huh what a weird choice um they could have just done like weird knockoffs which no it's like a fat it's literally like him basically saying i love stephen king this much that i'm gonna have you painting painting uh the gunslinger from the dark tower in the background you can see the thing painting and then the thing was directed by john carpenter john carpenter directed the fog which is a nod to the mist and he also wrote and directed um christine john carpenter did so like it's all connected it's all incestuous yeah i like um it. so tell me you because apparently i managed to cock up the intro somehow so go on tell me what else happened in the mm. in that intro what well, else did i, I, I really out like, like i said i really like this the slow build-up so they're basically you know like dave dave and his wife and his kid they go outside they go and have a look at the damage the tree's gone through the window into his studio it smashed the boathouse and things like that and then they they look over the lake because they've got their lake house which i think is their holiday home it's not their you know, because they they all point out he's like you know New York artist or whatever. So I thought he was I thought he paint. was a local, and they they, they shun the other outsiders like know. Andre Brower. I don't know. Um, but anyway, they're they're on the front of the lake, and like his wife's like, hmm, that's weird. You know, like looking over at the mountains, and you can see this mist, like really thick mist, coming down off the mountains. And he's like, oh, that's normal. You know, like he's he's just explaining it away, and she's like, no, that's that's kind of weird. And then they're like, hmm, sort of shrug, and they're fine. Um, and then uh, they go into the town um, to go and pick up supplies. Um, he goes to make a phone call from the local public phone. Um, the phones are out. And he's like, hmm, that's weird. I guess just because of the storm. Um, and then the the supply store, like Ollie said earlier, you know, it's like um, uh, full of people who are like hoarding supplies and making sure that they're all, you know, like just panic buying so that sort of started to get a little bit more stressful um it's a small town everyone knows everyone so they're all asking how they are then you see the military police milling around and then you see um the police cars like speeding by with sirens blaring and everyone sort of stares out because it's obviously the most exciting thing that's ever happened in their like quiet little town and then the air raid siren sounds and that sound like there's no way that anyone could ever think that that's like a joyful sound or <laughs> ice cream man ice yeah cream man. yeah uh so that starts going off and that is like a 
terrifying sound just that you know the sound as soon as you hear it so they've got that and then there's an earthquake um and uh yeah then uh, you know it's just that build up to that and everyone's just like what the hell is going on and so there's all that bit leading up to the earthquake so you want to take it from there well i i feel like people know you know like i said spoilers there's going to be spoilers so we're not just going to go blow by blow through the scenes but what did you what did you think did you did you like the mist let's give it some thoughts the film the entire film or the actual uh you know no the film not entity. like not, not the weather the I weather didn't system really like the do you like do you much. like mist I, I think it's a great film. I think, like, looking back on it, um, you know, like, I think I must have watched this because we've both watched it, but we haven't watched it together. Um, this is the first time that we've watched it together. I So that means I haven't watched it in, like, 10-plus years. And there was so much more. I don't know whether it was because I was sort of reviewing it with a critical eye, taking a few notes and things. But, um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely worth watching. Pretty much everyone, when we started posting up that we were going to be doing this, we got a lot of people on social media who were saying that they absolutely loved it. They thought it was great. But just that it's really fucking heavy, you know? It's it's hard going and it's bleak. Um, and it's just... It's also just, like, showing how awful humans can be as well as the monsters outside, so... So I guess the first thing to say is, having come from watching The Babadook, which is a, a film like real heavy on the subtext, this week does not let up whatsoever. Yeah, I am really sorry about that. I did actually write in this. I was just like, oh my god, please let us have like some funny ones or something coming up. So you know, like we really do, we do have some that aren't so like absolutely soul destroying coming up. Well, so. not even so much soul destroying. I mean, just like. It's a movie about gribbly monsters coming out of the mist, but it's also a movie about um, there's some definite, very, very pointed like nine eleven stuff in mm. there. So you know, one of the you know, I don't want to go too, too deep and morose in a horror movie, um, but you know, when the mist rolls in, immediately reminded me of that kind of cloud of dust that came after the Twin Towers came down. Mm. Then immediately, who volunteers and who gets killed first? It's the kids. So basically, you know, the army immediately sign up and then they get sent out to war on behest of these, like, people at home. Kirstie's looking at me like I'm cracking her mind right now. I haven't even made this connection. (laughs) Really? No. I found this... If anything, I found it almost too, um, too obvious, because it was basically like these two. So basically, there's a scene in the Tom Jane is there. Everyone's decided to board themselves up in the supermarket. They don't know what's going on. All they know is from the words of uh, one of the townsfolk that there's something in the mist and it's taking people. It's so good. Um, and that's you know, uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Demun from uh, who plays Dale in The Walking Dead. There's oh, a lot yeah. of Walking Dead people. Yeah, in so this, many so, Walking Dead people. Um, yeah, he comes running in just like the bloody nose, screaming that there's something in the mist, which is like it, it's su- such an ambiguous phrase, but like you're still like, what? <laughs> oh my god! But so there's this scene, uh, Tom Jane's and um toby jones who plays ollie the the one of the guys who works at the supermarket who is awesome 
Um, they, not not they, just because he's called Ollie, you know? No. You don't feel like a kinship with him, just no. like thinking he's the Although best. Although I was reading the thing today and he was basically saying that anyone named Ollie in a movie is automatically some sort of schlub. And I was like, no. Oh, um, but anyway, they go out back and they're in the loading dock of the supermarket um, with uh, these two guys, Myron and I can't remember the name of the other guy. They're basically the, you know, overall wearing hicks. As, as they yeah like real blue collar guy kind of guys who are not painted in the most flattering light so when i say hicks that is very much the way they are portrayed in the film mm-hmm. um and also the shermanator from <laughs> from yeah. american pie and immediately it's kid the kid volunteers and uh, you know with some kind of cajoling from these these kind of uh overall wearing redneck guys and he's the one who decides and he goes outside and he's the one that dies first which is obviously to my mind a pretty like uh, uh like transparent comment on people at home riding their tractors and you know what i mean sitting in their hammocks saying yeah, yeah, go, yeah go, go to war and, and check stuff out and then all of a sudden the kids are getting sent off and being killed and they're just Was standing not... yeah and that i see now it, I'm, like, now i'm saying yeah it. but like yeah and they were literally like they did the perfect um that i'm sure that you'll see it in a lot of the movies that we'll be reviewing but you'll see the whole um i don't believe you i'm going to rip the piss out of you and laugh at you then the thing's going to happen and i'm going to die or someone's going to die, and then all of a sudden I'm like, shit, it's actually happening. Like, the whole ha-ha, ha-ha, I'm dead now. And just in case anyone may be thinking Ollie's way off on his 9-11 comparison, what is the Shermanator's last words before he gets killed? Oh, my God. It's let's rock, <laughs> which is, which <laughs> no is um, very... No uh, way. Well, yeah, so there I we mean, go. The last I mean, words yeah. they heard on the, on the flight going into... Uh, uh, that crashed in. Yeah, I mean, I have to. I'm definitely going to need to reread the book um, just to see how much of it is there and whether, like, how much he sort of tilted it in that direction. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if anyone else has drawn those kind of parallels. Did you see? Have you sort of read anything where people have said this online, or is this just literally? No. As I was, as soon as I saw that smoke rolling in, I was like, mm. and also, I guess something about movies that are post nine eleven. I kind of always, you've always got to run them through that filter of, is this a comment on, you know, American political, uh, you know, (laughs) American politics post 9-11, basically. Um, But there's so much other stuff as well, because it's all, you know, after after the attack, then uh, it's all about, well, basically, you know, things coming in from the mist. So an obvious parallel with with immigration scary, and yeah, yeah scary like people scary coming into your you know like dangerous people coming into your lovely small town and uh exactly you know, yeah. um and then you know uh religious fervor gets whipped up by uh <gasps> marcia gay harden who yeah. plays mrs carmody which mrs. sounds like a yeah. to i know they are all made-up names but just sounds like uh, almost like a 30 rock name like yeah. they got bored halfway through saying no, the, mr mrs Carm- Carm- carmody i was yeah. like what um but yeah, she's uh, she's great. She then uh, renames herself Mother Carmody as she starts going on. And like I, I was saying before, how um, like folk folk horror and um, those sorts of things are, um, are the sort of films that I enjoy. But I do also love a bit of like Old Testament biblical 
type stuff coming on so i'm i'm i was quite enjoying all of that even though she is like she's she's awful but you can see where people who are in like a desperate situation would suddenly like turn to religion or turn to the person who's shouting the loudest basically so they split quite quickly they're already kind of split they mentioned it earlier with uh dave which is why it makes me think that he is either just moved to that town and so he's still the stranger from the outside or him and his family um holiday up there which is what we know like uh, norton like andre brower's character uh, is the lawyer who goes up there to to vacation or to holiday or whatever up by the lake you know to get away from the city so there's always that bit of not paranoia but like dislike for the people who are um encroaching on their uh, on their territory a bit so you've already got the outsiders and or the out-of-towners and the locals but then it's it becomes more um the rational people who are like right we need to think of a plan and we're going to keep discussing this plan and then we're going to eventually try and do something about this and we're not going to believe anything else that they're saying and then you have mrs carmody with her like religious believing that this is a sign of the end times and the plagues and then you have uh dave drayton level-headed guy in the middle who knows that this stuff is out there because he's seen it firsthand but does not agree with any of the plans that is any, that anyone else is going on with because he thinks they're all crazy so he's so i'd say the one thing I, I totally agree i think the one thing that they do really well in this film is the kind of portrayal of how regular people would act in a disaster i yeah. think that i think is what stephen king is like and i guess frank darabont therefore are really trying to like examine in this movie about tentacle monsters and <laughs> people's faces exploding with spiders um i feel like yeah i feel like really kind of getting down to the core of people and seeing how it is that they react some people do the honorable thing some people volunteer some people try and hide out some people take their own lives some people result resort to kind of religious zealotry um and i've got to say that was the one one of the elements that kind of did not do it for me. I've got to say, I know you just said what, how much you like. Yeah, that would, I know you just said how much you liked that character and that aspect of it. Um, and I didn't I, like her, but you know, well, like yeah, I know, the, I know. the overall like fear makes you do crazy things. So people turn from like thinking that she was the town nut job. I think that was actually the term that was used um into she is the savior and she's the one who's speaking the truth and they're all literally like she's preaching to them and they're all just like clapping their hands waving their arms in the air like you know like a real sermon so it's it's creepy to watch the thing is i would like some more gray area in there i feel like it's very much like religion is bad and i do you know i think that is definitely true in a lot of cases but at the same time it's handled in a bit of a teenage angsty you know what i mean i would have been <laughs> i would have been so into this movie when i was about 13 14 years old i would have been like <laughs> yeah man um there was definitely but a, why why which what bits just just like i said the, it is very much like religion is bad and holds no place in a rational society and i was like that may well be the case in some instances but they paint it in su- such a you're you know who is it that one of the who is it that immediately turns to her side it's the you know kind of uh 
overall wearing hicks and they're all of a sudden they become like a dangerous arm of her religious uh her religious zealotry mm. and all of a sudden i think yeah it's, it's all a bit too everyone's getting tarred with a ginormous brush um like i said i could have done with a little bit more kind of gray a little bit more subtlety in there that i thought would have like massively improved it okay and also Marsha gay harden you know mrs carmody um that is possibly and this is in a horror movie one of the hammiest performances <laughs> that I have possibly I ever seen. I liked her. I, I, I mean, I, like I her, liked but... her. I liked her um, portrayal of it mm. as a as a person. She would be horrific to be around. And, oh yeah, uh, for sure. But I I actually just really like that bit. Like she is, yeah, she's she's a pretty horrible person. But I think, but can you imagine the film without that aspect? Um, I can. But well, I, I can't imagine it without it, but I can imagine it with a more nuanced kind of portrayal or a new, more nuanced character. I think she does the best with what is on the page, which is basically just someone shouting fire and brimstone Bible passages. And you know, you've got to try and get some character in there somehow. So I do think she does like a pretty good job, mm. but at the same time, it is a bit. Is a bit one note. I, I, I'm not even. I don't even really think it was her fault. If you're gonna, if you've got a pretty one note character, the only way to really do it is to ham it the fuck up. Yeah. It's to break out the mortadella. <laughs> you know, the, the lardo, that wafer crumb ham. It's got to yeah, be. Stop talking about food the, now. Yeah, it's got to be that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not to say I think overall the acting is bad if anything i was massively impressed there's a lot of people in that supermarket mm-hmm. and they do for them i would say 99 percent of the the cast do a pretty admirable job it's it, the little the little side characters are the one that really got me like you all know that when you turn up toby jones is a great great character actor and this is one of those movies where it's basically populated by character actors the guys who are not necessarily going to be your leading man Mm. either because they look a bit like toby jones or because (laughs) you know they're a little bit older or um but i think those you know like i can't even remember the guy's name there's there's a there's an old dude with a mustache um (laughs) and he is with them quite close to the end um, and I was like, oh, I love this character. He's cool. He's like mm. a, a cool little add-on. He doesn't really contribute much, but I just thought it was almost like a stage play. Did yeah. you think it was yeah, like definitely. this? It, it's you all could just sit in one place, isn't wonder, it? We should do that. We should mount a West End version of the Mist. Oh, <laughs> um, that could be good. But, that could be um, real cool. No, I mean there, there is all for, uh, like we mentioned earlier. You know, there's there's like I think four main and then a few stand-in characters that were all. Uh, in The Walking Dead, but then Frank Darabont did, um, like, he developed and he executive produced, like, season one and part of season two for The Walking Dead. So there would have been people in here that he would have been, like, you know, he definitely um, decided that he was going to have them involved in The Walking Dead because of their acting. I mean, like, Melissa McBride, who plays Carol in The Walking Dead, and she plays, like, unnamed woman uh at the beginning when the mist first appears and she's like i have to get home to my kids that for me was one of the best moments in the film yeah like they said like, that when that when they yelled when they yelled cut on that like everyone applauded her just for like that that little part there because she does like it's a tiny little section where she's literally like asking for someone to help her and then she just 
walks out and disappears into the mist and then yeah there's something that's a that is where i think the script really excels like that kind of what a normal person is thinking mm. it's all well and good to be like we need to barricade the the front of the store so the big giant bugs don't get in but when it's like i have to get out of here because my eight-year-old daughter is looking after my four-year-old son at home and i'm terrified that they're being you know something's happening yeah. to them and i don't know what it is so i need to get the fuck out of here i thought that was one of the best moments in the film that's normal isn't it because yeah, not exactly. everybody's gonna have like the strategic mind of like uh, right, this is what we should do because this will be the greatest uh, the greatest point of success for all of us to be able to survive. It's just literally like, I am a normal person and this thing is happening and this is the first thing that's in my mind. Like, what is happening down the road with my kids? Or, you know, like, are my, are my parents okay? You know, like, is my house okay? Is my car okay? It depends on, like, what your... Um, the things that are important to you in your life, like, what that would... Um, like what would happen if you were in a situation like this not like mist with monsters in it specifically but if you were in like a horrible situation where you know with a bunch of people that you don't know all that well um and trying to work out like whether you should strike out on your own whether you should be asking people for help who you should side with who who would be most helpful um in getting to where you want to go I guess you wouldn't know what you would do in that situation. Everyone's always like, oh, well, what I would do is this. You have no idea what you would do in that situation. No one does. I think that's what makes it realistic as well. Like, you know what I mean? In a world of B-movie monsters, um, in order to make it kind of fly, I guess you've either got to go one way or the other. You've got to play it deadpan and super serious, or you've got to go crazy and off the wall with it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I thought that pit was really good. Talking of crazy monsters and mm. stuff in the mist what did you think let's now we i feel like we've spoken about it as like the allegory for a terrorist attack but what about a horror movie is it a good horror movie i think it's a good horror movie i think like um there's certain areas of it how do i say it uh there's certain areas of it where they were just like we want to go for like the biggest bang for our buck you know we want to get not get rid but we want to like really ramp up the fear so they have you know like the uh attacking creatures um i think i saw recently i haven't watched it yet but there's like a youtube video that's like the top 10 monsters in the mist and i'm like was there 10 and i started like i counted like seven or eight i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't get 10 i started noting them down so you literally got like the um like the tentacles, locusty type ones, wasp, waspy type ones, the big dude that you see. And like, there's like three different cool. kinds of spider bit. But yeah. did you think they look good? I thought they looked pretty good for like, you know, a movie that's like, what, 12 years old now? Like, you know, I I think they looked all right. Like, I, I found myself more into watching the film and enjoying the film and being genuinely concerned about like some of my favorite characters well-being rather than looking at the character uh looking at the cgi and thinking yeah no you know um so that's a sign for me that like the movie has really sucked you in because you're not like looking for you know different bits of editing or cgi that aren't that good you're just enjoying the fact that there are literally like these prehistoric demonic looking monsters that are attacking people see i'm was i'm not sold on the look of probably 50 percent of those creatures mm. i thought that um 
uh, that C- some of that CGI has dated terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, those uh, the very first monster you s- see uh, the the tentacle one I thought looked terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. Like has those real weird early two thousands kind of shiny shiny quality where they can't really. They've not really mastered like how it is that light like, hits, or, like, like how text- light textures yeah, and text- stuff. Yeah, it all just looked super uh, like it had no weight to it, and which automatically takes me out of it. Okay. And then I thought those I love the little weird uh, stingy locust wasp bugs. I thought they looked cool, mm. but then those things that come in and try and eat them when they like break into the like shop, the pterodactyl. Like, ah, yeah, they they were. I forgot about the Super lame. Ones. It looked like a weird like. Sam the Toucan, but who'd like fallen in the fucking Robocop ooze. I was like, I don't like it. I did not like them one bit. Um, And then when you see a couple of them in the mist as well, I was like, the the actual creature's design did not do it for me. Um, Having said that, there were some fucking cool deaths in this movie. Yep. Some real cool death. I, I spoke about it earlier. When that military policeman's face and back explode and spiders <laughs> come out of him, I was like, that was that was metal. That oh, was you real mean, metal. You mean when they go to the pharmacy next door, which is called King's Pharmacy. Mm, I see, I'm not into that. <laughs> that's a bit that's a bit lazy. Um but yeah, exploding spiders. Yeah. Uh and then um uh, a scene which has uh, inspired the name for my band's new grindcore album, uh, "Grandma with a Flamethrower," um, which I, uh, <laughs> which really, I was like, Irene, she was like the sassy old, like retired teacher grandma. lady. She was amazing. She was, she was good. I was really hoping they, they were, they wouldn't go a certain way with her, and they, I feel like for the most part they tried to make her believable old lady rather than mm-hmm. kind of hip happening rap grandma or something no, which uh which no. was no good um but yeah uh shermanator's death i liked it he yeah. was like he had like stuff like sucked off him yeah they had like um like the tentacles that you see they suddenly like um you know appear almost like i can't think how to describe it but you know they they look like tentacles and then they unfurl and they've got like claws like thorns sticking out of them and then a mouth on the end of each one so, and so like, they suck and like rip like the sections old, the of old you. suck and rip yeah, um, sounds vicious um uh and then the other one that got me which i thought was probably the coolest was um Actually, there's two. The the, the let me woman, see, let me see the you... woman who gets stung in the face oh. <laughs> by that wasp, and then she blows up like um, Violet Beauregard from uh, from Willy Wonka and <laughs> a Chocolate that Factory. What you saw? Yeah, she was like, <laughs> okay. was, that made me laugh. Let me let me let me see if the last one is. You your, know which one's going to be the right. the, the favorite one is clearly because you asked me last time and I wanted to see whether um you were, we were going to get into it this time like our favorite bits. My favorite bit apart from Irene the sassy old lady because she's great is the rope yeah that that's that's the one i was going to say yeah so when this so basically this biker dude decides he's going to make a run for the shotgun in one of the trucks um and they tie a rope around him and you can already see exactly where this is going but that he runs out no, and he like, walks, he literally saunters out with a group of other people who disappear and you never you never really find out like their fate they just they just go um but basically he runs out uh and then walks out. all right walks he walks out. out it's important okay he walks out <laughs> he walks out the most important part is the fact that he gets 
bi- bifurcated. He gets chopped in half. Yeah, but it's then... literally like the way that they do it, though, because they're like slowly trying to see whether he'll go out. They're like, basically, if you get to the end of the rope, then that means you've managed to get 300 feet safely. So it's slowly, you just watch it, like the the rope just like winding its way out of the door. They're holding onto it. And then all of a sudden, you it, it goes slack. Then it picks up again. And then it goes up to the top of the door and then it starts like whipping through their hands so they're like trying to pull it back in and then it sort of um whatever's pulling on the other end kind of stops and so they're pulling it back in and pulling it back in and then all of a sudden the rope is soaked in blood and it's just that bit is it's just not even so that. good it's, it's, and then they, they start dragging yeah, it in they pull him back in and then they suddenly see appearing out of the mist is like his lower half and that's all that's left of him and i was like that's amazing death good death it was a good death yeah. and even and although i did slag off the cgi earlier for a lot of the gore i think is a bit is cgi um not all because i know greg uh nicotero i think it's greg nicotero had mm-hmm. something to do with it the guy does all the effect on the walking dead so there was a bunch of practical effects but you know like the shermanator when he starts having chunks ripped out of him that is cgi when the guy's back explodes with spiders that is cgi uh, and I thought for CGI violence, it was uh, was pretty good. Mm. It's not normally my favourite, but so I'll... you didn't uh, like the monsters, but the gore was okay? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. I think, yeah, the gore, the gore more than made up for it, I think. Mm. And even then, I could have done with more gore. There was definitely a point towards the end where I was like, it's becoming less and less of a horror movie and more of a like a 12 angry men you know what i mean like <laughs> we're gonna stand around and talk about man's inhumanity to man yeah. there was definitely a little bit too when it started getting really um after they'd come back from the spider the spider uh, exploration mm-hmm. and they came back in and basically everyone in the store except for like eight or ten people have decided that this lady's uh crazy religious um further is the, is the way to go <laughs> Then it started to get a little bit. I was like, okay, I could do with some more, some more deaths and some more action and something else going yeah, on. Yeah, but Less... I mean, they then they then start going into you know, like you were saying earlier, like how people would deal with that kind of situation. So you've got I feel like, like the they'd sol- established that all yeah, before. But, yeah, but then like it's what do they start doing? Because first you start thinking, right, what's the plan? What am I going to do? What are the main things that are important to me? Who am I going to work with? Who am I going to? Who am I going to stay, you know, like, uh, who am I going to look after? Who needs looking after? Depending on how your mind works. But then they start going more into, um, there's people who are losing hope. You start talking to, um, I'm trying to remember her name. She's Olivia in The Walking Dead. Laurie Holder's character, who's like the school teacher who hangs out with Dave and, uh, Dave and Billy. And she's just like, she's starting to lose hope she's like this is this is it this is you know this is how we're going to end and then you've got three like military police three soldiers even who um uh two of them uh take themselves off into the loading dock which is the first place that we see one of the creatures and they decide to kill themselves and then the story starts coming out as to what they think happened I could, I could have done without that could you no but the beginning part of this movie um apparently andre brower actually talked frank darabont out of it the beginning part was meant to be introducing where the mist first came from so the idea was that 
up in the mountains that was another thing that set the scene as well they sort of did like a few offhanded comments about um there being a military base just outside of town in the mountains and the stories that were in town about it like the rumors that there was like alien spacecraft and they were doing like milit secret top secret military experiments and stuff up there and then they're just like eh, well you know and then that's it um i just feel like they... i would I, I feel like even just explaining it i was like i could have just anything I, i'd much rather you had no explanation for yeah. it if, if they'd shown like oh there's a military base up the road and yeah. then just left it at that but i would have been like that's fine that's, that's fine the thing. By me. They, they decided to cut that little bit out but keep the idea that like the the you know the, the main part was meant to be at the very very beginning of the film before they meet anyone and before the mist appears so that we know where it was coming from from the get-go was that they were doing these experiments and stuff to try and open up these portals to other dimensions, which is what the soldier explains what he's trying to do, or what, or, you know, say that it wasn't his fault, but he knew that they were doing it, was that they were doing that, they were doing those experiments, and they'd had warnings not to do these things during thunderstorms, and then lightning hits the, um, hits the, the, the base which causes the tear to, you know, the tear in interdimensional space to open up even wider and then all these creatures start pouring out and that's where the mist comes from. Um, so he mentions that. He then gets attacked by all of the religious people and they offer him up as a sacrifice, which is what they thought needed to happen because someone died previously and they were just like, oh, they'll leave us alone tonight. Um and then they just start doing like proper Lord of the Flies, like sacrifice, we're going to sacrifice him, we're going to sacrifice the boy. And yeah, it's just, yeah, just showing people like. I didn't like it. Really I doing. didn't like it. I feel like I, just even at that stage in the film, I feel like what is important is the atmosphere and that kind of, like I said, the how like, people react in that situation. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about the Arrowhead project or any of the garbage that's going on at that military base. It has zero, zero impact on what is happening in the story right now. The only thing it gave a good excuse for is for that guy to get uh, thrown outside and uh, and fed to the creatures in the mist. I just felt like no, I'm not. I'm. I, I didn't buy it and I didn't think they needed to do it thank Christ that Andre Brow decided to, to, to tell Frank Darabon please don't go and yeah. make a whole Cut that missed out. origin story thank <laughs> God that didn't happen um, so I think we're getting towards the end now but let's talk about that ending okay well the ending in the book without ruining the book well kind of ruining the book the book ending is different to the film but I will leave what the actual ending to the book is. Um, but in the book itself, the the Dave uh, character actually has like a thought going through his head because he's the narrator of the story, so it's all first person from Dave's point of view. Um, Dave actually has the thought because he's got four people in his car. Um, in the film, it's five, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he has four bullets yeah, yeah. and then there's five yeah. of them. So in the book, it is... Uh, three bullets and four people and he it crosses his mind he's just like well you know three bullets four people we'll just have to work it out if it comes to it and then that's that's kind of where it's left but Darabon had basically been nursing wanting to do this adaptation since the 80s since he read this and he finally managed to do it and get it done for 2007 so he had pulled all of this together 
pulled everything that he wanted to do with this film and you know honed it to where he really wanted it to be and so what he did was he basically took like what would have been like you know a throwaway but still really dark thought if you're reading that in the book in the story and you're like oh that's a bit of a you know like that's a real dark thought he decided to grab that dark thought and basically run with it and was just like what would happen if we went into like the darkest recesses of like a Stephen King story so he decided to go with it now the first time I saw it I remember thinking um how awesome that ending was mm. I didn't like it this one this time around really no it was a real gut punch but I don't really feel like it made any like narrative sense with what was going on with it, having established everything that they've established and especially with these characters like their outlook and who they are and what their beliefs are I just didn't really buy it I was just like they would keep fighting until the very end until they fucking starved to death um and they didn't they just <laughs> they basically just but, uh, I mean, he took, you've already he t- you've already had like the the um the teacher character she had already said you know like this is this is the end she hadn't like thrown it out and been like right fuck it you know like this is all all i'm doing forever and and you know that's it i'm done but you knew that she was on the verge of giving up like thinking there's no hope left Billy was fast asleep and he was too young to be able to comprehend really like what that would mean. And then you've this got is, the two old like kid, hard asses, can... the guy who saw it first and told everyone. Mm. And then the uh, the old lady who was like complete no nonsense and was just like, I've lived my life and that's it. So I can see where they're coming from in that. It They decided really quickly though. That's the way only thing quickly. I would say. Way too quickly. And also that kid can sleep through literally fucking anything. It was like people getting shot, fine. Weird, crazy monsters flying around, fine. It's like they gave him like a fucking Valium. But his dad clicking a uh, clicking the gun and like loading the bullets made him stir and uh, and flicker. So yeah, that. I guess that, that makes it kind of double creepy because yeah. it's like he's been asleep the whole time, and then yeah. all of a sudden the one thing he wakes up for is his dad about to shoot him in the face. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, did it shit you up? not shit me up there's a few bits that I was just like oh no like you know I'm not I'm not too bothered by spiders but like if anyone's not a fan of spiders there's a lot of spidery type stuff that goes on the um uh the creatures themselves were good um again it's you know that it doesn't it doesn't really have that much in the way of like real big jump scares there's just a lot of like you've you've grown to like some of the characters you've grown to know them a little bit more and then you know like as they slowly sort of start dying off you're like ah and so it is hard in that way i enjoyed it i wouldn't say it shit me up but i enjoyed it it 1000 percent did not shit me up um (laughs) i seem to remember liking it more than i liked it this time around i've got i've got to say i was really looking forward to it and it left me a little bit cold like i said it definitely had a bit too much of the grandstanding and there were too many messages being delivered to camera at the end of it. And I was like, let's just someone get a, a fucking acid spider web thrown at their face again. That was fun. Let's go back to that. Because um, I feel like they did all the good setup of um, here's, what was, here's how humans react terribly when something goes wrong. Uh, that was all set up so well at the beginning. And then it just descended into, you know 
too much of that basically there was just too much and i just would rather have had more seeing and less talking um not to say i hated it did not hate it it was good it was a solid six out of ten but, I don't know. We were doing out of tens, but um, well, we're not. We, we need to we <laughs> need to figure out you. our own system. Like I said, I think that did it shit you up will be the new barometer yeah. of uh, of whether um, behind the sofa found it scary or not. This and for not. me, it was definitely a not shitting up. It's not, but it's still it's a. I think it's a good film. I think it's. Do you think it belongs on the list? Though? Well, it doesn't belong above the Babadook. Okay. So immediately, I know we're not getting into this now. This is for another podcast, all in and of itself. But it immediately gets bumped down to number one hundred, and the Babadook goes up to ninety nine. In my opinion, okay. did you like? Did you like it more than the Babadook? No, I think I prefer the Babadook. Both of them are really hard going in their own way. I mean, like if you're watching along, then you'll—I'm sure you'll agree. If you've seen both films, I'm sure you'll agree as well. But um, yeah. Uh, they're both really hard going they're not uh, they're they're definitely both films that we recommend that you should watch they're just not going to be ones on like heavy rotation i don't think because they're just too hard going but yeah yeah um Um, two two films to start off super super heavy on the old (laughs) subtext they've got the big giant fucking pepper grinder full of subtext at the restaurant and they're just yeah they're just way too much hold hold it back yeah um so Next week, Next what have week. we got? Next week, we have Martin, uh, which is our first George A. Romero movie and the first movie that we have not seen. Yeah. Neither of us have seen this movie, so we're actually really looking forward to seeing it. Um, so this is uh, Martin, who is a, a young man who believes that he is uh, a, an 80-something-year-old, maybe older, uh, vampire. And... Uh, uses that maybe as an excuse or uh, his belief uh, in uh, going around attacking women so and where can people go and watch it <gasps> well um, I've actually managed to find a copy of it on YouTube whether that is uh, gonna still stay up if we end up with a bunch of people watching it or not but I will post up the links <laughs> I don't I'll think also... we're gonna br- I don't think we're gonna break the internet somehow <laughs> <laughs> maybe you never know um we also have it on um, our horror movie store, which you can find if you go to uh, tinyurl.com slash behind the sofa, um, and that'll take you straight to the website. And then if you have a look on the um, uh, the menu, you'll be able to see where you can find all of our episodes so far, uh, where you can find the list itself, and where you can find the books and the movies, um, and where you can purchase them. So we'll be putting those up as we go on throughout the week. Uh, ready for next episode yeah and remember uh, facebook.com and instagram at behind the sofa podcast and please 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 if you could go and uh, and give us a rate and subscribe and a like or whatever it is uh, on any of the places yeah or on any of the places where you listen to the podcast that would be amazing uh, right and I think that's it from yeah. from me it's a goodbye and from Kirsty <laughs> from behind the sofa good night good night everyone <laughs>